well, which it's... Are you there, Barb? Yes, I am here. Tara. Okay, we got you online too instead, so we're we're good. Okay, Barb. So, how are things going? We have a bitter, bitter cold, and we haven't experienced this in a while, and it, it's it's a feeling, just traumatically cold for me. Well, you know what? The thing that warms me up is when I read about people who are doing great things to help other people in the community, and so. I have two stories that I'd like to share with our listeners on the good news today. And the first one comes from Wells, Minnesota. And you may have read this story, too. It's about uh, Tracy Mullenbeck. Tracy lives in Wells, and she felt there was a vacant store on Main Street in Wells, and she felt that she should buy this this, uh, vacant store and that, you know, God would lead her to what she should do with it. And this was uh, back uh, several years ago, and and she decided that what the need was in Wells was to have an emergency shelter for women and children. And she has worked on that. She set up a project called the Five Sisters Project, and uh, 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 she has support from the local community and executive board and uh, she says that when she was looking for the the mission what would the mission of this building be it, it was for people um, to find hope and caring and I, I just thought uh, you know what a great thing to be to be doing this for someone else when things are so probably difficult in our lives that people can think beyond and spend their own money to set up a service like this in a community that's probably, you know, 35, 40 miles from, from any place where a woman could get shelter if she needed it. It's, it's mostly for, uh, it's for women and children, but it, it is also for people that are not having, uh, maybe the crisis in their life is due to some um, physical disaster or something. You can always become uh, homeless when you lose your home. And so they're helping each and every one of these people as they have space. And uh, they're looking, of course, they're always looking for funding. But if, if you'd like more information about this project for women, the Five Sisters in Wells, you could go online to www. FiveSistersProject.com, and you could read all about them, or you could call 507-553-6207. So that's the Five Sisters Project. Just want to send out a big thank you to Tracy Mullenbeck for seeing the need and implementing this and staying with it and being such a success. So thank you, Tracy. And then the other project that just warmed my heart and, and was about the Olson family here in Mankato. This is uh, a story that was in the free press about uh, Beth Anna Olson and her son Ivan, who's eight, and his sister Etta, who's six. And when the COVID uh, pandemic uh, struck, she decided to leave her job and stay home, become a full-time mom. And her mother suggested that she would give her plenty of material. There was such a need for masks. 
And so she started making uh, face masks for people. She found there was a great need, and she would just donate this. This wasn't a, wasn't a business. First she donated to her husband's workplace, and then people heard about her. And she would go to places like she was um, in the parking lot of the mall. She was giving out masks uh, there and, and she, several area schools. And, and then she got so busy that she enlisted the help of her two children, of Ivan and Etta. And when you make a mask, because it has a double layer of material, you need to turn it inside. It's, you sew it inside out, and then you turn it over. And that's what the children started helping with her with. And they also helped her pick out the prints because she donated masks to area schools, and she said that the they should have something that they'd love to wear and that would fit them. So to this wonderful woman and her family, we just want to say thank you. What a, what a great thing to do for your community. So thank you, and you just, you just made our day. Well, so. kudos to those, those folks because that is wonderful to, to help and serve others because how can you be mad at one another when someone's helping you out? Yeah, that's right. And to reach out, she was she was actually providing masks for as far away as uh, St. James, Minnesota. You know that you understand that sometimes in a smaller community there are fewer resources, oh, right. and to be able to reach out and to embrace them as your community that we're all connected together. I thought, wow, this it may be cold, but this just warms my heart so much. And then. Uh, talking about being cold, do you know that we have uh, sun dogs that are out today? Oh, when I drove in this morning, <laughs> it was so beautiful. I just couldn't believe it. And I thought to myself as I was driving, I said, wow, and it's getting so much lighter this time of day. The days are definitely brightening up again, which is it that warms my heart because it means spring is just around the corner. I agree. So <clears throat> about 7.30 a.m., sun, sunrise, and about 5.30 p.m., sunset so that that is just incredibly wonderful you know one of the things that i did this week was um i went down and checked on all my roots and storage just just to make sure that nothing was spoiling or nothing was getting soft or just how they were and one of the things i had to pat myself on the back after i got done you know i wrapped all of these bulbs and roots in uh, newspaper and then put them into a paper bag and then sealed the bag shut and i wrote on them i wrote on the bag what it was when i put them in storage and then i also made a label that was like a sticky white label and i put that on there and i thought oh my gosh this was such a good idea because there are some things it's harder to tell when you're drawing them what they are. But so, so often in the fall, I know there's there's times when I get rushed <clears throat> because I know the bad weather's coming and I'll just quick put it away. I think I'll remember later. And you are correct. I usually don't. So I did mine and I, I've labeled mine as well. I haven't looked at them yet, though. So I'll have to go out this weekend maybe and check to see how the bulbs and things are doing out in the basement. And you know that, that Karen, the edible things that uh, that I stored, like my onions and garlic, and I store onions in those uh, 
onion sacks, which, you know, are like a woven material, a netting material. Oh, yeah, I love those. I wish you could just buy those on their own because you could. there's so many practical uses you could use those for. You know, I think you can get them in some seed catalogs. Ooh. Check it out there. You wouldn't think so, but yeah. And, you know, I save my sacks when I have to buy onions when I run out, and so I save those sacks, and, and they you're right, they are so usable. Also, the garlic was looking great. I've used up all the potatoes that I raised last uh, summer, so I have those no more, but in my freezer, um, there were things that I froze that are just, uh, and I'm using now the strawberries, the raspberries, rhubarb, uh, corn, the corn I didn't raise, but it was a gift from a farmer that I know, and I took it off the cob and froze it, and it is just great. And, of course, we raised lots of cucumbers, and David makes this wonderful recipe for frozen pickles, and they are great, too. So I've just kind of been uh, looking around and and using things and finding finding new ways to use foods that I that I put in the freezer. And you know the salsa that we froze, I would have to say that is so much better than we when we were canning it and putting it into a jar. This just goes into the freezer without being cooked at all. And it comes out the color is beautiful, the taste is beautiful and um, it, it, it's just a wonderful way to do that. So that's what's great about being a, a gardener. You raise these things, and then, you know, you, you experiment to get the best way of preserving them and, and eating them later on in the winter. It's just a little bite of summer. <clears throat> and, uh, Karen, I also was going through things um, that I do can, and that was jams and jellies, and and they're they are just looking so good, and and the raspberries particularly, they stay nice and bright red, and I've been making different kinds of vinegars with these, uh, with with the raspberries, and and that is very delicious too. Well, now, so, you, when you talk about canning things, I know one thing you have extra of that you are trying to share is your strawberries. So yeah. I was wondering, I've got an extremely, it's a sunny place, but it's its a very steep. Would strawberries be something good to uh, put on a steep slope like that, or would they not get enough water to help them <clears throat> to develop? Well, they, strawberries need need sunshine. Well, yeah, know? it's very bright. So it's very sunny, but it's it's kind of a steep thing. It's basically um, it, there's a road, and then it's kind of like goes into the ditch. So it's steep, and right now it's turf, and it's really hard to mow. So, you know what I say, Karen? Let's try it. Let's, <laughs> let's let's try it. I'll give you enough, and it'll be our experiment, and then we'll know. I mean, I've always thought of you know having them on a flat surface. And so far as my strawberries go up at Good Council, I don't water them. Um, the, the, the rain takes care of that. And, but the only thing I do that's special for them is I have them in a covered, a row cover. Sure. So that the birds, when they start getting fruit on them, the birds can't eat the fruit. But <clears throat> they, my goodness, the way they branch out, if if they would grow there, they'd be a nice plant. I mean, that would 
that would be a great thing to well, try. So. I've also read about there's there's some that are the I don't know if they call them wild strawberries, but you know they're the ones that grow usually can find them along roadsides, but they have very sure. little fruit, but it's still very very tasty. But uh-huh. I've also read sometimes that they can be a bit invasive too. So if you had them by your lawn, they might kind of try to take over too. So that was another thing I was thinking about doing. You know, I was thinking about ground covers as I was uh, out at the lake house, and <laughs> and it's a very big slope. And I don't know if you've probably heard the counties through the uh, county uh, soil and water districts, they have annual tree sales, which are going on now where you can order a number of trees for very low price. But you have to get a bunch of them. So like anywhere from a bundle of of 15 to 25 or more, and Mm -hmm. you can get them at a great price. And so I was looking at some of those possibly as putting on my hillside. And uh, so I was trying to decide, well, red osier dogwood, they've got gray dogwood and others, but uh, most of them are natives. But the one that really kind of disturbed me a little bit was Nicollet County is selling Amur maples as part of their tree sale. And do you know those are invasive? So I don't know why they would be doing that. And I put a note out to our Master Gardener listserv about you know people's recommendations what they might think sure, might be sure. good and and someone's comment was why would anybody put Amur maples in and I agree because I have some Amur maples and they spread seeds just I mean they're beautiful but they spread sure. the seeds that they can become <laughs> so invasive so um, but that's something to look at if you have maybe a place maybe you want to do a hedge or something or a more property to do some trees is is look to your county's uh, water and, and soil district and they have their annual sales and they're going on now and then they'll they're small trees though so you've got to keep that in sure. mind you're not going to get an instant like wow in the yard but if you've right. got the patience they got everything from the big trees you know the different kinds of oaks and maples and and shrubs and things like that so I just wanted to put that out there if people are interested but uh, I stay away from the Amur maples because those are I agree. Invasive. I agree. You know, of, of the things that you listed, I have the dogwood, and it's the uh, red osier mm-hmm. dogwood. And the thing I love about, well, I have the same planting that I started out with, but it has, I've allowed it to go over and fill in a bigger spot. But that's at least 40 years old. Now, it isn't that the same branches are there, because as they get older, you, you cut those out because after a while, instead of being beautiful red in the winter and, and, and that contrast with the snow, they, the bark is dark colored. It's grayish, it, yeah, kind of yeah, dull. So you have, you have that trimming, you know, that, that, that process where you're taking out the old wood all the time. But, I mean, that's a small price to pay for something that's it's, uh, beautiful, color in the winter is so welcome and in the spring it it blooms their blooms are very very small on it but they are fragrant and uh the pollinators love them so if if you want pollinators uh that might be something you know they do grow big there's no doubt about that but um i you know i have have pruner will prune. <laughs> I'm 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 looking at things and uh, also uh, it's easy to manage. the The limbs are quite uh, soft, and I've been able to manipulate them and bend them so that um, they look just. It's just not a bunch anymore, but it's it's just a little bit of a um more interest that they don't go straight up in the air that they've got them bending over 
So that might be something that would be real good for people to try. I have never had any disease on mine, so um, I, I would certainly recommend that. And, and some of the I other... agree with you, the maple, you want to be sure that you don't put anything in that's giving out seeds and the seeds get scattered all over and then you're digging them out. Because that's... I have a bunch of uh, buckthorn on that hillside that I keep pulling up, you know, that it gets spread because of birds and things and my neighbor I know has some on their hillside and I don't know if sure. it's my place to go and cut theirs down, but it does spread. So that's something I look out for. But some of the, uh, each county has their own selection. So it's different to each county in terms of the cost. It's in terms of the <coughs> varieties they have. And it includes everything from spruces to uh, other types of evergreens and then trees. Some of the trees, they've got like the lindens, the elms. Uh, they even have black walnut, which is the one you want to be careful with because uh, sometimes under black walnut trees, uh, certain things won't grow because it has uh, produces juglone, which can be toxic to certain plants. So if you have a, uh, my sister uh, planted in her mother-in-law's yard and there's a couple of uh, walnut trees and she couldn't figure out why the tomatoes just did so terrible in one part of the yard and the other side they did okay. Well, it's because they were being affected by that. So if you have a problem, check to see if you have a walnut tree because that could be part of it. So um, some things to think <clears throat> about. If you have... If you have a walnut tree, you will have walnuts, <laughs> and they do not need two to some uh, another one to be uh, pollinating it. And and we had one out at the farm, out at my mother-in-law's place. And as she and my father-in-law got older, it became our job to maintain the yard out there. It was huge, like a lot of farmyards are. And that tree was dropping those walnuts. And when you'd hit it with the lawnmower, it was like hitting a rock. Mm-hmm. And it could pull, it would, it would uh, hit it and it would throw it to the side. And it was, it was just nasty. And then the job of just going by hand and picking all those up, that was, you know, that was a huge job. But my mother-in-law told me that when she was a child, they always gathered the black walnuts and they cracked them and they used them for for baking with and she thought they were just absolutely wonderful but uh, they also stain your hands when you pick them up uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, I would say a black walnut um, if you that, have an open place that's not going to mess up your yard I would say like a field <laughs> somewhere maybe you'd want to keep that because I don't know that I'd it, they are kind of messy I know my my sister-in-law has one and, and it you're right it is hard for mowing and they they just and walnuts are excellent so you know I'm not and saying you know these these squirrels that we have that are so healthy and so vigorous anything <laughs> that's nut like oh, yeah. they will take and they will bury it somewhere and uh, you will get a walnut tree it and, isn't difficult for them to develop you'll get a walnut tree they they leave so many behind so We've been we've been watching the squirrels in our yard, and uh, oh my goodness, they the the weather doesn't seem to bother them. They're running around, they're playing. They you know they actually carried. Uh, we put out uh, the uh, peanuts in the shell for them. They were on top of the roof of our garage because there was snow up there. I don't know if they went up there to eat or if they went up there to bury it, if they were trying to be secretive, very, very secretive. But they, squirrels are very active, so if you're thinking about putting in something that's got nuts on it and uh, 
you know that the squirrels are going to be up there, and it may be that they're, they're eating them all. They're not going to get buried. Across the street from us, our neighbor has uh, what was um, a filbert tree. It's a shrub-like tree. Is that also called an American hickory? Is that? No, it's not the hickory. It's um, <clears throat> um, hazelnut. Oh, hazelnut. Yes, yes. That was another option that I was considering. But then my husband said, well, think about how many nuts and how many squirrels and things you'll attract. Do you want them? Do you know that the problem that they have is those the nuts, when they're ripe enough to pick and to save, the squirrels will come in and they will clean up the whole tree the in one day, they so they, they very rarely get any unless they're um, they have to beat the squirrels. And it isn't that they're not watching. It's just that when you take them, you can tell whether they're, they're they should be picked or not. And if you wait until the next morning to do it, uh, the squirrels will have been there ahead of you. They really have a good sense of smell and taste, and when things are ready to be harvested, so. So you might grow something like that and never get the fruit of it. But, again, it, it's it's a nice shrub to have. They're very, very nice looking. Yeah. And, Barb, it is February, so that means some seeds can be started, but not a lot of them. That's the, <clears throat> the thing I keep seeing is that we talked about this before, but some things like onions and others that take a long time to develop are okay to plant now, but things like tomatoes, peppers, wait. So are you planting anything right now, Barb? No, I, I, I'm not. As a matter of fact, I am spending my time um, concentrating on all these plants I have in the house <laughs> because because of the cold, I have moved things further away from the windows, <clears throat> and I've added supplemental light uh, uh, to my one bay window, and and so I'm doing that. And and I told you before I had this clivia that was shooting up. Um, uh, flower spike and that is blooming now it's surprisingly um it's the flowers aren't as big as they normally are and the spike itself isn't as tall as it as they normally are so i don't know if um in keeping it crowded in the pot if it's too crowded because there's three plants in there now oh. i'm going to have to and that's the the newest one um that's that's blooming so um i'm making notes about my plants and i'm moving things and i did use about uh, oh about a fourth strength fertilizer some organic fertilizer i thought maybe when we have sun it's it's really intense i thought maybe they could just use a slight boost and 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 that's what i did and then you water them thoroughly if you're going to fertilize um, and you do dilute your fertilizer in water, be sure that you do a thorough job of, of doing that. Don't just give it a little squirt, you know. Do a, do a thorough job, like when you're watering the plant. <clears throat> so I, I, I've done that, but so far as um, uh, starting any seeds, I haven't done that. I've looked at them. And, and wondered about them, and I continue to look at seed catalogs, but I tell myself, I'm totally done. I'm not getting anything else. So Don't uh, look at them even then. <laughs> that's right. You know, Karen, we should just mention the birds. I know 
I, uh, Al Bat is, is such a bird lover, and he does such a good job on your program. But, boy, you know, <clears throat> for the birds, I, I worry more about them than I do the squirrels because the squirrels have that big fluffy coat, and, and they seem to do just fine. But uh, we want to be sure and keep our bird feeders filled. And if you have something where you can get some um, suet to them, um, it, use eating suet this time of year helps them to to stay warm too. And it's it's time to evaluate your landscape and say, you know, do I have a place here for these birds? If I want birds to come to my yard, do I have a good place where they can go and just you know get out of the cold and get pine tree, trees and conifers are just excellent for that. They Arborvitaes are one of the biggest attractants for birds <clears throat> that I've seen because anytime I go by Arborvitae trees, they are just a buzz with the birds just singing. So I think Arborvitaes are one of the best. They are good, but I'll tell you what, Karen, the junipers are good too. Mm-hmm. And in, while they're, they have more of a prickly needle on them, those uh, uh, birds, they just honker right down inside. And I can look out my front window, and I can look into the into the juniper, and I can see them in there, and um, they're just as cozy as can be. So, I mean, that's that's a really good thing too. We had blue jays at the uh, feeder this week, and we also had cardinals, and uh, and I'm sitting with my my book that one of the recommendations from El Bat and trying to identify birds. But you know what? Birds move very fast this time of year. <laughs> and some of them are so similar, or they may have just a little variant or something that it, there can... I find, I said to Al, to me, a lot of... I think a lot of the birds are sparrows because a lot of them, to me, look like sparrows, even though they're probably not. So uh, what right. book did you get, by the way, so others? Because it's one he recommended, I know. I, it, uh, the Field Guide to Minnesota oh, yep. Birds. It's a good one. That and got nice, nice colored pictures in there. But as you say, you start thumbing through there. You get your book. You see a bird outside, and by the time you find something that's a, and and that's divided up. There's a an index in there, so it's you know it tells you what pages these dark birds are in, and the and the browns and all of that. But still, even at that, it's very difficult. So um, I'm using it regularly, and I'm searching to see what range we're in and what I could expect. But I kind of have um, the same birds coming all the time. That They've found this location, and, and that's where they're coming. It's really nice when you get something different coming into the yard, but maybe it's only a one-time event for them. Absolutely. Well, we are out of time, Barb, but always great to chat with you. Until then, keep dreaming. I certainly will, and stay warm, Karen. Yep, bye-bye. All right, it is 10.01. You're listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio.